Sports Rankers, the podcast where we complete a range of sporting podiums across an array of sporting topics. Uh, my name is Sam Barker, and as always, I'm joined by my two fellow rankers, Sir Rob Schofield and Mr. Callum Scotland. Bit of an interesting one this week, Rob. We've decided to sort of rip up the rule book and, and go with a slightly different format. Very much so. I just wanted to also say, good to see that you're getting use out of that thesaurus I gave you for Christmas, um, for the intro there. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I, re- I realised it was uh, not my most fluid, but we, we, we muddle through. No, I really come into my own after the intros. The intros really are my weak spot on this podcast. Anything that's scripted. He's an off-the-cuff kind of podcaster. Yeah. Uh, anyway, in terms of the topics, yeah, it was... It was um, I really like the proposal of this topic a lot more than when I started researching it because there's a lot of records out there. Well, <laughs> I say, before, really before we move ones. on, we should say that the topic, which I've had to write down because I kept forgetting uh, the order of the words, sports most unbreakable records. Um, and the reason that I say it's slightly different this week compared to other weeks is because this is Callum's choice of topic, but he's not hosting, which is what we usually do. He's actually given it to me to host he wants to take you on, Rob. Callum, firstly, where did this topic come from? And secondly, why did you pick Rob to take on? Well, it's just the kind of thing that I've wanted to do. When we first started brainstorming this podcast, however long ago it was, I sort of went through a phase of just writing down things that I thought would be good topics for for the podcast. And this is one of the first ones I wrote down. But I knew as soon as I wrote it down that it was the kind of thing that I wanted to be on the panel for because I had I had a couple of good ideas then. I've forgotten most of them now, but I had a couple of good ideas then for what could be on the podium. Um, as for choosing Rob, I think I think a lot of it was to do with the fact that in previous We're mortal episodes, enemies on this podcast. <laughs> well, no, in, pre- in previous episodes, Sam's gone away and done like ridiculous amounts of research with like the Alex Zanardi answer and. He, he's done like a number of answers which have required a, a stupid amount of research. So I felt like I more than more than wanting to go up against Rob, I just didn't really want to go up against Sam. I, I guess the other thing from your perspective, Callum, is if if Rob's not hosting, then he can't give you zero points, which is what usually happens. So you played that. I mean, you, well you say that, that but the last time you hosted an episode, you gave me zero points. So uh that is technically true yeah that is uh so basically i'm on a hiding to nothing regardless of who hosts the podcast so i might as well i might as well just pick one of you out of a hat uh speaking of uh speaking of points we should i guess we should probably wrap up sort of where we're at with points after three episodes so far this season um me and rob tied in the lead in on 10 uh and callum sitting on one through three episodes so far but the whole idea of home and away is that the home topic is an opportunity to to get a full house of points. So if it goes your way, as could potentially be the case, seeing as you picked it, and I imagine you've got three strong uh, contributions to the podium, you could be up on seven by the end of play today. In theory, that is how it would work. Like I said, like I said last time, though, it's not really it's not really one that I'd consider a home topic for me, but it's just one that I've wanted to do for a long time on the pod. So. 
if I get if I get six points, I'm back in the game in this series. If I get zero points or you know less than three, maybe it might be a case of well, I chose that topic because this series already out the window. So I just uh, just threw this series. Oh. <laughs> um, I tell you what, then I think it's probably time we uh, we got cracking, and I think Callum, as the home team this week. It's only fair that you kick us off. What is your bronze for sports most unbreakable records? Okay, so uh, my bronze was actually different about 15 minutes ago. I had a completely different answer for bronze before we started this Zoom call. And uh, I just, I thought of one which, you know, I was like, that that really should be in there at some point. It's not good enough to be my silver or my gold, but it's the 1967 European Cup winning Celtic side all of whom were born within 30 miles of Celtic Park. There will never, ever be another team that wins a European Cup where every single player is born within 30 miles of the ground they play at. It's a it's a ridiculous feat. They had, like I said, 15 men in the squad. 14 of them were born within 15 miles of Celtic Park. The other one was born 30 miles away, so he was practically a foreigner to the rest of them. This Celtic team was kind of like a swashbuckling side for their era. They played more attacking football than most sides in the in in their era. Um, they played Inter Milan in the final, who went one 0 up after seven minutes, and then sat eleven men behind the ball. Celtic ended up winning three one. They had thirty nine shots at goal. Um, and they were just, you know, they, they were the best team in Europe at the time. They were the first British side to win a European Cup. They were the first and only so far Scottish team to reach a European Cup final. Um, obviously, Rangers reached the UEFA Cup final about 10 years ago, but they, uh, they're they the only team to beat, uh, to reach the European Cup final from Scotland. And they're also, I think, you can't imagine a team doing that at the moment. You know, teams like... Athletic Bilbao and Real Sociedad, they they bring all their players in from the Basque country. And, you know, that's a relatively large region of Spain and, and parts of France. But having an entire squad that talented from within 15 miles of a ground or 30 miles of a ground in the case of Bobby Lennox, that's never, ever going to be done again. It could, in theory, be done again, but it will never, ever happen again. I don't mean to throw an immediate spanner in the works here, but... What's the record? European Cup winners most localized eleven. What's the record? What's the yeah. record? It's an amazing feat, but what's the record? So they, they were all born within thirty miles of Celtic Park. Find me another. Yeah, that's team. like an amazing piece of trivia. But like, what's what's the record? Like, what's the record to break? Have them all born closer. <laughs> okay. <sighs> am I am I on my own here, Sam? Or do you get where I'm coming from? So here's here's where my head's at through Callum's answer there. Firstly, when he said he changed his answer about 15 minutes before the show started, I thought he's managed to psych himself out to a... Here we go. ...on this podcast. I thought he's managed to absolutely blow it in a more spectacular style than we've ever heard. I think this is a brilliant answer. And and I, I hadn't even really contemplated the fact that it's kind of sort of a bit ambiguous as to whether it's a record or not i really like it as an answer i really do and actually that's why it's not my silver or my gold well this is the other thing this is the other thing about 
this this sort of new style is I don't really know who sets the parameters to the topic because it's it's Callum's topic that he's given to me. But as far as I'm concerned, not only is that allowed, but that's a corker of an answer. Um, so, Rob, okay, okay. Well, we'll see when we come to the judging at the end, won't we? We'll see what we'll see how Sam yeah, yeah. adds the score and but, early you know. early punt for uh, social media interaction. Yeah, well, exactly. Do that's no. that's, a, that's if... a great little clip for Twitter. That one there, isn't it? My bronze pick is Lionel Messi as the all-time La Liga top scorer, a quite binary and recognisable record. Uh, He has 440 goals in 479 La Liga games, a scoring rate of 0.92 goals a game, which is nuts. Now, naturally, Cristiano Ronaldo is second on the list. Uh, So between his La Liga career, between 2009 and 2018, he scored 311 goals uh, in 292 games. So actually, his scoring rate is superior. But in terms of pure haul of goals, 440 in La Liga will not be broken. And we are ultimately, as Callum said at the top there, doing sports most unbreakable records and when you start to look down the list you just kind of start to get an appreciation for how Messi is just on a level above strikers and goal scorers that La Liga has ever seen so I mentioned the top two then you've got Telmo Zara from the 40s and the 50s 251 goals you know we're down to almost half already in third place Hugo Sanchez from like 80s early 90s 234 you know we're already like I said down to almost half of Messi's haul not only is a player going to have to come along who is better than the greatest football player to have ever lived he's also going to have to play in La Liga he's going to have to play for so Messi started in 2004 he's going to have to have a career spanning 16 plus years because Messi's not even done it's not going to be done Lionel Messi's all-time top scorer in La Liga with 440 goals, it's not going to be matched. It's just not going to be matched. It'd be a shame if there was someone like Ronaldo who came along and played his entire career in Spain then, wouldn't it? Because he's got a better goal-scoring record in terms of goals per game than Messi. So if someone like Ronaldo came along and played his entire career in Spain, that could, that record would be blown out the water. How many times have we said it? You know, The two greatest players to have ever lived. So far. Messi's done it in one league for his entire career. The whole, you know, Messi-Ronaldo debate, one of the biggest uh, arguments there is that Ronaldo's gone and done it in multiple countries. But I just think in terms of one league and dominating in one country's domestic division, that record there will not be beaten. No, I, th- I mean, I think you're, you're, you're definitely right. There's certainly no one in the league right now who you can even say has a chance of beating it, beating that record. That's an interesting first round. It's an interesting two bronze picks from you because Rob, you've no messing around. Straight in there with a with a unquestionable fact. Callum definitely more of a curveball, but a really good answer. Um, I'm going to have to sit and ponder that one. So, Callum, I'm going to throw it back to you for your silver, um, and I'll have a little think. Have either of the two of you heard of a man by the name of Edwin Moses? No. Okay, well, Edwin Moses was an athlete in the 1970s and 1980s. 
At his peak, Edwin Moses went unbeaten for 122 consecutive 400-metre hurdles races. He was unbeaten for nine years, nine months and nine days. And let me put that into perspective for you. At his best, Usain Bolt, he was unbeaten for 45 races. And Michael Johnson was unbeaten uh, for eight years in the 400 metres, but that was still only 58 races. So Edwin Moses doubled Michael Johnson's dominance in the 400 metre hurdles. Uh, his first ever major tournament was the 1976 Montreal Olympics. He set the world record by 0.18 seconds and insisted that he was trying to run even faster, but the uh, that his... Uh, last five hurdles weren't quite as good as he wanted so he uh, he didn't manage to run the 47.5 that he wanted he ran 47.64 instead uh, and was disappointed by that which is shocking shocking behavior Slacker. do you want to know the weirdest thing about that performance that wasn't even the start of his 122 race winning streak that started afterwards he changed the entire hurdling game, changed uh, stride patterns in the 400 metres. So pretty much everyone who runs the 400 metre hurdles now runs the same stride pattern as Edwin Moses developed in the early 1980s. Um, and pretty much everyone who he went up against said that even at 75 or 80% fitness, Edwin Moses was guaranteed to win the race. If he was, in, if he was on the start line, he was going to win the race. Uh, he did everything that he did in his career without a coach. He understood all of the technique that he needed. He understood how to tweak it. He used computers to analyze his data from his workouts, trained in endurance, which wasn't really done in sprint events at the time. And uh, he also focused on nutrition, which was revolutionary for track and field at the time. And even when his streak ended, he lost by just uh, 0.13 seconds because he hit the final hurdle on the home straight. What a gutting way to lose your record that is by hitting the final hurdle and uh, losing out on first place. But 122 consecutive 400-meter hurdles races won by Edwin Moses is my silver medal for this episode. So I've got two questions. Um... Mm -hmm. One is has absolutely no relation on how I'm going to score your answer. It's just purely from personal interest, which is what nationality is he? American, American. like pretty much everyone else. Yep. <laughs> I, I assumed. I just wanted to double check. Um, secondly, and you might have said this and I might have just missed it and not written down, in which case I apologise. How many years was this record spanning across? Nine years, nine months and nine days was his record or his unbeaten streak. The record still stands. The first thing that jumps out to me, and again, it's a bit sports most unbreakable record. Yeah, I mean, it's, it must be hard. It's not. It's not. The, it's not an unbreakable record in terms of how fast he ran, but it's how dominant he was. Because your Heather McKay answer from last week, Sam, she lost two two squash matches in the sixties. Uh, 60 and 62, yeah, she lost, dominated through system. Edwin Moses, nine years without losing a single race, regardless of whether it was a heat or a final, he won every single thing he competed in. I was going to say, I, I wonder whether, I mean, it, not to take away anything from the record, because it's obviously an obviously incredible, and like you've said as well about how he was interested in nutrition, looking and analysing his stuff using computers, which is obviously stuff you wouldn't ever think about athletes doing in the 60s and 70s. 
I just wonder whether how many more races were available for him to run if over a nine year period he could do 122, but over an eight year period Michael Jordan could only do, was it 50 something, 57? 58. I suppose that was my question, and I wondered you may may not have the answer. Is at what level was he? Comp- you know, it, it is an impressive record. I'm not going to suggest it's not, but obviously, um, only a certain number of those are going to be at the highest level. You know, heats, world championships, finals. How many are? What's the level in which he's competing at to rack up that number? Like, is it? Well, he's got. Is it quite a low level? He's like got regional. Or he's, how not, is it he's not doing like a tour of primary school. Uh... No, he's not, he's not racing the blind. Let's put it that way. He's um, he won two gold medals at the Olympics. He won two gold medals at the Worlds. He won gold medals at three separate uh, World Cups. I mean, he he won pretty much everything that he entered. Uh, for 10 years and be that you know olympic trials world trials whatever it may be if he entered it he won it and you can only really beat who's ahead of you or who's in front of you rather and edwin moses you know and the other thing is competing for america you're always going to have pretty good athletes wherever you go and i've just read on his wikipedia page that in 1990 he competed in the world cup bobsled race and uh won bronze in the two-man bob feel the rhythm feel the rhyme yeah exactly damn it's right. aiming moses time damn right okay i mean that's i i do really feel like me and rob came in there as a bit of a sort of good cop bad cop attack but i'm I, I, you held up strong there callum um and i like that a lot rob who was the bad cop well it was more just sort of good cop good cop neither of us were being particular. <laughs> I was <gonna> say. <laughs> I didn't think of any other uh, very quick and I used up my I used up my bad cop routine on the Celtic answer I think yeah I mean it's not often someone gives an answer and I don't go that's a great answer it came, I came out of that one going well I have some questions anyway Rob just, um, just head head down right in a way I could see you had questions yeah, yeah I just I, I just wanted to make sure that your answer was airtight and it was it was so uh, a lot to like there Rob come on then let's have your let's have your silver who thrown so, up against Edwin Moses my silver choice has come up on this podcast before. I will take suggestions from both of you. Who do we think it is? What do we think it is? Ooh. Alan Shearer. Serena nope. Williams. It's not been mentioned. Nope. Um, and it's not even... Is it the Florida woman? Your, it's not even your friend and mine. Cuba to Florida swim. Yeah. It's Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point basketball game. You're oh, determined to get a point for it somewhere. I damn right. <laughs> this will never be broken. It will never be broken. You know, we told the story in series two, uh, March second, nineteen sixty-two, Philadelphia Warriors versus the New York Knicks. Only the crowd there to see it. Hundred sixty-nine to one hundred forty-seven. He scores a hundred points in that basketball game before the three-point rule is even invented. And as we're going through this, obviously a big thing that Callum and I both had to avoid when finding these answers is their records that still can be broken. And I'm sure Callum, same as me, found so many where the sports developed or rules have changed that just mean that these records aren't really valid anymore. You know, they're still records, but they can't be broken. They literally cannot be broken. Whereas almost in the inverse, this has become easier to do and it still hasn't been broken. 
So Kobe Bryant scored 81 points in 2006. It's the closest anyone has ever come. And that was seen as the most majestic performance from him that year. Wilt Chamberlain holds five of the top 10 in this list of points scored in a game. We've run through all these statistics before, but scoring 100 points with the caveat that three-pointers didn't exist in basketball will not be broken. That's my silver choice. As soon as you said Wilt Chamberlain, I thought, oh dear, Edwin Moses might be in trouble. That was the first thought that popped into my head. You're so right. It's such a solid record and it, in theory, could be broken at any moment, but it just won't. Like it, it's well, it has. It hasn't been so far, um, and it's been what fifty years. Yeah, it won't. It's. I think again, just I think you'd have it on there, but again, the fact that this was before three pointers existed, just I mean, like you, to like you level. say, the fact it was that... so close to being my gold. It was so so close to being my gold. It picks itself. The fact that it itself. could be broken and it hasn't been, is is remarkable. And, you know, someone like Kobe Bryant, I think Kobe had five 70-plus point games in his career and never got never got north of 81. I mean, it would take... It, the thing is, it would take a remarkable effort from both teams for it to be broken because it would have to be a high-scoring double or triple overtime game. And they come along very, very rarely. And, and defence is so much more valued now in the NBA than it than it ever was when Wilk Chamberlain was playing. So it's it's going to be tough for that one to be broken for sure. One thing I will say, it's it's a great use of of reusing an answer that we've had before. You've done that absolutely perfectly. It will now backfire if you also pick Don Bradman as your gold, which I believe was your other answer on the day back on season four. Yeah, I did think about it, but I thought I can't. I can only rehash so much for this podcast. <laughs> and that was the correct thing to do because I would have punished you for picking two. But Rob, I am actually going to come straight back to you. I've decided for your for your gold pick. What was it that just picked, or who was it that just picked Wilt Chamberlain to gold? The greatest, most pure record in all of sport Michael Phelps most Olympic gold medals in history 23 gold medals in his Olympic career spanning from 2004 to 2016 in multiple uh, events in the pool for the American and again when you look down the all-time list they're not even scratching the surface so Larissa uh, Latina the gymnastic uh, star from the Soviet Union in the 50s and 60s nine nine gold medals and when you look at the medal halls in total i my pick for this is gold medals but when you look for the medal totals 28 for michael phelps 18 for latinina and when you just look at what he achieved over those multiple olympic periods and when he kind of decided not to call time on his career there are probably so many swimmers going oh for god give us half a chance come on uh coming back to the pool and doing it all over again i can't fathom how anyone's even going to get close to it can you you love your olympic sports like i do it'll be it'll be another swimmer if it's anyone yeah 100 percent. but when you even when you look at some of the greatest swimmers that have come along since I don't, I don't know. Like, Mark, how many did Mark Spitz win in one Olympics? Six? Was it six or seven for Spitz? Gold. Either way, yeah. If you get someone with longevity and the quality, it's it's four Olympics at six apiece, which isn't. Yeah, but that's insane. 
Yeah. Over that period of time, 16 years. Well, Phelps won eight at one Olympics, didn't he? I kind of agree with Callum. I'm so, I'm looking at the five answers that we've had so far in the episode. And I'm trying to look at it as which one do I honestly think has the has the most likely chance of being broken. I actually think it might be Phelps' record. I don't kind of get where you're coming from. I know you're saying that it's kind of it's doable, but you've got to be you've got to be better than Michael Phelps to do it. Good you don't luck. have to be better than Michael Phelps to do it. You have to be better than whoever's <laughs> in front of you. You you have to be better yeah. than the rest of the field. And all that t- all that takes is one one ridiculous swimmer to be good for twelve years. In fact, probably only good, probably only exceptional for eight years if we're. Or four years, if we're being really honest, because you win, if you win eight at two Olympics and then win four at the others, you're already on twenty-four gold medals. Though we're yeah. talking about medals in total gold. Oh, I know, I know. I don't you know, feel like this is a agree to disagree. You are, but... you are, you are absolutely right. Like it is a, an incredible record, but there's there's something about it that I'm just not completely sold on. Um, is it because you, like is it because you think someone you think are we just talking swimmers here are we, we going to uh, suggest that because there's so many events that swimmers swimmers I, I, are the only yeah, possibility to break possibly it. because he's a swimmer and because there is so many opportunities for swimmers at the Olympics it, it seems I mean don't get me wrong it's incredibly unlikely but it just seems to me more likely to be able to be broken than any of the four answers before it. That's just my, I mean, that's my sort of personal take. Um, and I'm almost certainly wrong. But if I, ha- if I had to put money on on which of those records would fall first, the Phelps one would be the yeah, one to put money Yeah, I kind of get, in which case, I kind of get where you're coming from because they're very, it's a very different kind of record. Uh, it's, a, it's a haul over a 16-year period period yeah so it's kind of like um it's, it's, it's not exactly comparable to the ones that have come before it yeah it, it, you're I just, right, I, you're right. It's, it, it does stand alone a little bit in that sense and that's kind of why i suppose you know how sometimes when we do this you're like if, if it's on it's got to be gold kind of thing or i omit it altogether you, you said last week didn't you you had a couple that were either gold or omitted completely there's sort of no yeah. space for them in silver or bronze and i, I kind of get it from that yeah i just felt like personally i felt like um like phelps is someone who hasn't actually cropped up in this podcast all that often despite all the topics we've discussed not an athlete talked about as much as he should be when it comes to all-time greats yeah and, and do you know what when you when you say that it's a gold or nothing it, it, it makes sense that's where he's landed um I guess the only thing for us to find out really is who Michael Phelps is up against. History would say Michael Phelps will probably win, but uh, Free Sports Rankers doesn't really go that well by history. So Callum, who have you got for your gold choice? Well, my gold choice is the reason I chose this podcast, uh, this topic, and he's, it's because it's someone I've wanted to talk about on the podcast for ages, and I've just never, ever been able to find a way to, to get him in. And it is an American sports answer, and it's the major league stolen base record which is held by ricky henderson ricky henderson 
leads all of baseball history with 1,406 stolen bases in his career. The next closest person is Lou Brock with 938. So Ricky Henderson is 33% further. He, he, he's stolen 33% more bases than Lou Brock ever did. The closest active player is Rajay Davis, who has uh, 415 stolen bases. He's, on, he's 66th on the all-time list uh, and is, I mean, he's 38 years old and he's not currently on a, on a major league roster. So unlikely that he's going to get anywhere near it. The closest person who I imagine Sam will have heard of is Dee Gordon. Uh, and he's in 127th place with 330 stolen bases. Ricky Henderson stole bases for fun. He leads he leads this, this statistic by 468 bases. He's just a ridiculous a ridiculous baseball player from beginning to end. I mean, he he reached base at a 40% rate, so he he got on base 40% of the time. And then once he was on base. He tried to in one season. He tried to steal base seventy six percent of the time. He was he was able to steal it. He tried to steal it. He has over three seasons. He has three seasons with over one hundred walks and one hundred stolen bases. Nobody else in baseball history has a single season like that. Ricky Henderson has three. He's just. I mean, he he's just a remarkable, remarkable human being. I'm I'm welcoming questions on on him because I realise I'm just spouting numbers at the moment. Um, so feel free to throw out questions if you have any. But he, I mean, in in 1982, it was probably his best stolen base season. Uh, and apart from the two weeks at the end of the season when he picked up an injury. He stole more bases than the Minnesota Twins, Boston Red Sox and Baltimore Orioles combined. Reading up on him here, as I sometimes like to with picks that, you know, I'm not all too familiar with. Uh, you can probably just explain it more than anything else. It says here Vince Coleman matched him with three seasons of 100 stolen bases. 29 other players notched at least one fifty steal season. Mm-hmm. They've all stolen 100 bases in a season, but what... Ricky Henderson did was he stole bases at a at a rate like that, but also he he stole bases for a long long time as well. He had a twenty five year career in baseball, which nobody above him in the uh, I was looking at the on base percentage leaders for baseball history, and nobody above him played for as long as him. He was. He was very, very good at getting on base. And then once he got on base, he was even better at stealing bases after that. He was just an absolute phenomenon. Ricky Henderson is just a, an absolutely remarkable person, probably criminally underrated in the baseball community for how good he was. What era did he play in? And what was it sort of... Was stealing bases more common then? Is it harder now? Like, how is he? That's that's what I'm reading now. Apparently, it kind of goes. Apparently, it goes in and out of fashion. Yeah, it's not, so it's he, not a big thing now. Ricky Henderson debuted in 1979, and he retired in 2004. So he had a 25 year career. He is a Hall of Famer, obviously, because of just I mean, how many bases he stole? Ridiculous. Um, and yeah, yeah stealing bases goes, right. goes, in, goes in and out of fashion. So at the moment, it's very much a, a power-driven league. 
and has been for the last sort of 20 or so years. But uh, uh, there, w- there will come a time when base stealing becomes, I suppose you could use the word fashionable again, and it will suddenly be, you know, lots of fast players nipping around the base paths and using what they, what baseball refers to as small ball to win, uh, to win world series. But I mean, Rick, regardless of when he was around, I think Ricky Henderson would have been stealing bases for fun. Um, regardless of what era he played in, because he was just so, he was just so good at it. I mean, not to harp on about statistics too much, but 1982, uh, Henderson stole third base more often than the Minnesota Twins stole any base, which is, and stealing base, stealing third base is considered one of the hardest things to do in 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 baseball. So, just a sort of illustration of how phenomenal he was and how how much he'd perfected the art of base stealing. Okay, um, I have to. Do you know what? I have to admit, this week I've actually found marking a little bit easier than I usually do. Um, apart from one which i will come to in a minute uh bronze and rob i don't think you're going to like this but the bronze is going to go to callum um i I do sort of agree with you that on on a is it a record isn't it a record it's a little murky there but i just think it's such a sort of quirky fact and uh, it's it's passable as a record Um, you know it's the kind of thing that sam would have come to the table with as well Exactly. Yeah, I, I have to look at it from my perspective. I would have read that and gone, "That's great." Is it a record? Probably just about. We're going to roll with it. Um, so I'm going to give Callum the bronze. I'm going to give Rob the silver for Wilt Chamberlain. Um, that one, I, I just I, the Edwin Moses. I've never heard of him. I found the story fascinating, but there's just a couple of sort of alarm bells going off in my head. At how can he possibly have run or over twice the amount of Michael Johnson in sort of the same period of time um whereas Wilt Chamberlain is just ridiculous and it's a record that in theory could be broken almost every night of the season and it never has been for however many years. yeah that's that's true not not you know a lot of our picks I suppose they require longevity they require a career this is just you've got one game Hundreds of thousands of opportunities. Fluke. Some some relative nobody one night drops 102 points, and then Wilt Chamberlain's out of the water. But like Sam says, 82 games a season since he set it to to break it, and no one ever has. No one's ever got within 19 percent of it. And so I said, I said, I said those two sort of fell to me pretty easily, pretty quickly. Um, Gold is where I'm having I'm having my issues. We can debate it a bit more if you want. Sometimes an aspect I think maybe is missed on this podcast, especially I've maybe not argued it quite as much as I should have, is how Olympic sports should be. Maybe their importance in the wider scheme of things is is diminishing somewhat. There's an argument to be had there, but that's the pinnacle of sport. And he holds the most gold medals, which is the best thing that you can achieve in the pinnacle of sport. That's why I kind of went for it. I understand the discussions upon how breakable it is. There are so many incredible records here, and I very almost put Wilt Chamberlain in in gold, um, which you know might have been an easier toss up between two American sports. Who knows? Um, but I kind of thought to myself, you know, what's the greatest platform? What's the greatest stage in sport? Who's got the greatest record on that stage? That's how I got to Michael Phelps. So, so he actually, I, I, I'm finding the two of them. I'm finding Phelps and Henderson really quite easily sort of comparable in the sense of. It's both based on their entire career. They're both 
leaps and bounds ahead of anyone else. Um, they're both playing at the elitist, the, the, the highest level of their sport, because obviously for swimming, it's the Olympics and for baseball, it is MLB. So the question I'm really asking myself is which do I honestly believe of those two can be broken first? And it kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier. I, I genuinely believe, and I don't think it's going to happen soon. But I genuinely think Michael Phelps's his record might get broken at some point. And so for that reason, I'm going to give the gold to Ricky Henderson. And I, I, I'm not sure how great I feel giving it to baseball over the Olympics because Callum knows me and that seems like an absolutely crazy thing for me to do. But that, that's the fish and chips talking, I think. It might be the fish. And, I'm absolutely chock full of fish and chips right now. And my, it might be scrambling my brain a little bit, but I'm going to give the gold to Callum and I'm going to give it to uh, Ricky Henderson because, I mean, like you say, it's... 33%. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? I'm not going to even justify it. That's just where I've, 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 I've settled. So so that's our final podium. So we've got uh, Cal at bronze with the 1967 Celtic side, all born within 30 miles of Celtic Park. That will never be broken. Is it a record? Who cares? Silver- It'll also never be any in any record book. <laughs> <laughs> Silver. It'll be a long will- title if it is. 100 points. Honestly, I mean, I, I feel like that one possibly should be gold. Um, but I, I just yeah, I had to be on the podium as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, the gold is Ricky Henderson with his 1,406 steals. It, it, it's all right. Yeah. So I'm home a... topic. I've got I've got two points. I'm not. I mean, yeah, more disappointed with that. I just feel I, I'm, I'm happy that. The person who's re who was the reason that I picked this topic won the points. You know, I've had I've had the Ricky Henderson stolen base record in my head for years, like genuinely years, and I've never got a reason to talk about it on a public forum, and now I have, and it's just like. Everyone and if anyone else wants to know more about Ricky Henderson, learn about Ricky Henderson. Send send, send Callum a WhatsApp message, and he'll send you an extensively Samuel. long yeah, Callum, WhatsApp Callum, message. Callum. and also he's just he's just he's just quite a cool character like um when he played for the Oakland Athletics they gave him a check for a million dollars and then they realized sort of 18 months later that their their books hadn't quite been balanced like they were they were a million dollars richer than they should have been and they went Ricky what did you do with that check and he was like oh I just framed it put it on my wall like he was just so happy to have a, a, a check for a million dollars he just framed it and put it on his wall didn't bother cashing it he had a he had an apartment building and boasted to his uh, to his teammates that he could see the entire state building. Like he's he's just a he he's a doesn't he's sound a like the sharpest thing in the character. shed in my opinion. He's a mad character, it, but he was so good at stealing bases. Callum Callum's yeah. found his Billy Jean King. Yeah, he, yeah, he has. <laughs> is this is this the last time Ricky Henderson will be mentioned on the podcast, or is he going to crop up again at some point in the future? It feels like he might. Right then, that, I mean that was that was that was a good episode. Where does that leave us with the scores? That leaves us me still on ten, Rob, you on twelve, and Callum five points. You, you creeping, you're, you're creeping, the world. creeping, I'm getting there. It's nice. Although, to Although Callum, you're having uh, you're having a week off next week again, because it's my home topic. Oh, so now I'm going up against Sam. I, oh, okay. Okay. It's got to be football related if it's up against Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going niche here, my friend. 
So in light of the imminent or possibly imminent collapse of the Newcastle United takeover, my home topic is Mike Ashley's worst decisions in charge of Newcastle United. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. Do your research, Sam. Give me all you got. Worst new does it have to be Newcastle United or is it as as Newcastle United owner? Okay. So you know Sports Direct's gonna get a mention here, but we're not gonna be talking about how he treats his employees. Allegedly. That's that was has to to relate to any about it, is there? So with Newcastle fans all around the world, finally on the on the precipice of Ashley releasing his talons across Newcastle uh, and potentially us becoming the richest club in the world. Part of me hopes that Ashley uh, hears this podcast, gets a bit nostalgic about all the great things he's done and decides to not sell the club and remain in charge for another 10 years. Yeah, so bring me your <laughs> what you think are the three worst decisions he's made as the owner of Newcastle United and Callum would decide... I think you're quite well placed to do this, Callum. You're well. You've got a good experience of poor, poor club ownership. <laughs> <laughs> poor well, club management. Been... My second home topic. Anyway, that is uh, is the end of another episode of Three Sports Rankers. If you like what you heard, do please go on to uh, iTunes and leave us a review. You can of course check us out across social media: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all Three Sports Rankers. And do join us again next week. I'd say I'll be taking on Rob in a Mike Ashley loving. So, yeah, we'll see you next week. Quite the opposite.